<coughs> There's a um, tradition in tournament play to not talk about the next step until you've climbed the one in front of you. I'm sure going to the state finals is beyond your wildest dreams, so let's just keep it right there. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? they inspire us. As we talked about last week, we need inspiration. We need to be moved. We need to be motivated. We need to be spurred on. Sometimes we need that kick in the butt that will, that will get us to do more, that will get us to be more, to think more, to live more, to risk more and to sacrifice more. We started off a series last week called Inspired. And it's five of the most inspirational stories in the Bible. They revolve around five different people, five different situations, and we're going to come at them from five different ways. And I believe that if you will open yourself up, even just a little bit, that each one of these stories will breathe life into whatever part of you is tired or dead or lifeless. They'll breathe life into where God is wanting to move you, where he's wanting to motivate you, where he wants to guide you and lead you second of these stories is what we're going to look at today, and quite frankly, it's maybe one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible, and much like Hoosiers, which in my opinion is probably the greatest sports movie ever made, it's all about the underdog. You may have guessed it by now, it's the story of David and Goliath. Most of you, like I said, already know the story, or at least the main part. A young shepherd boy takes on a giant with just a slingshot and a few smooth stones. But yet, David wins. The little guy against the big guy, and the little guy wins. And we need to hear that, don't we? Because every single one of us faces giants in each of our lives. Things that are bigger than we are. Things that are stronger than we are. 
But is there, is there more to it than that? Is there a way to get just a little bit of David breathing into each of us? So let's take a look at it. Let's, let's see if we can look at this familiar story and find more than we are just familiar with. We're going to pick up the story, 1 Samuel chapter 17, where it says this, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled. Saul and the Israelites assembled and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. On one hill you have the Philistines, the bad guys, the adversaries, the aggressors. The ones causing all of the pain that the Israelites are going through and all that torment. Then on the other hill, you have the Israelites. The good guys, trying to defend themselves and to live a life peaceably. And in the middle, in the middle is the valley. They've drawn the battle line. Any of you feel like that pretty much describes your life today? You feel like you've got a huge force against you. You're on one side and it's on the other. It threatens everything that you're trying to do. Everything that you're trying to be. There's not a single human life that doesn't have something to overcome. It might be physical, it might be financial, it might be intellectual. Maybe it's your family or your job. Maybe it's depression or a bad habit. I don't care who you are. You have something to overcome. You have a giant against you. And until you do, until you conquer that giant, you're stuck. You can't achieve your full potential until you overcome that giant. So you're staring across the battlefield and you have nowhere, nowhere to go. You can either Stay where you are, or you can fight. And your fight is specific to each of you. It's not just relationships in general, but a specific relationship. It's not just any job, but the job you currently have. It's not just any memory, but the one that has scarred you. It's got a name, and it has a face. It's not just financial problems. You can name the creditor. You can name the amount of the bill. You can name exactly how much it is. It's not just a class that you're struggling with. You can name the course, the professor, and probably what your grade is. It had a name. For the Israelites, too. We'll pick up in verse 4, where it says this, Then Goliath, the Philistine,
Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath was so intimidating, so awesome in size and power that he's described here in detail. Over nine feet tall, 125 pounds of armor alone. It wasn't just his size. wasn't just his strength, but it was his presence. The way he entered into their psyche. The way he dominated their world. The way that he personified everything that they we're up against. Let's keep reading. It next says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Isn't that the way the giants in our lives work too? They get in your face. Everywhere you turn, there they are. And they get in your head. You can't run away from it. It follows you wherever you go. You can't go forward. Because there it is, blocking the way, eating you up with worry and anxiety. So what do you do? Here's where we need to bring David into our lives. And we can learn from him. Jesse, David's father, sent David to check on his brothers who were part of that Israelite army. And to send them some food. Now David was too young to be in the army. So he had been back home tending the sheep. Read, let's read what happens next. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. 
Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. is working. Oh, there we go. Two radically different reactions to Goliath. First, we had the Israelite army. Their approach to dealing with Goliath was called giant avoidance. The minute the giant steps out, the minute he takes his place, they run away in fear. And you can go through life that way. Whenever things get tough, whenever you have problems with someone, whenever you have an area in your life where you are failing, or anywhere a situation becomes trying and challenging, whenever you have a past that keeps haunting you, you can just run away from it. Try to avoid it. Hope that it goes away. It's called denial. The only problem with that strategy is that it doesn't make the giant go away. In fact, it usually gets worse. Notice something here that's important because it applies to the very way giants work in each of our lives. Think back when we read it a minute ago when Goliath first steps forward, we see that in verse 8, and it says this, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites, and then he says, choose one man to come down here and fight me. See, that's how it started. He left his side of the hill, came down to the central midpoint of the valley between the two armies, but after 40 days of practicing giant avoidance. By the time David gets there, notice what happens. We read this in verse 23. It says, As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Now, that may look like he's doing the exact same thing, but when you look at the original Hebrew language, that phrase came out, literally reads, coming up. Meaning that he had gotten, Goliath had gotten bolder and bolder, and he's come closer and closer. Until now, he's not only coming down his hill, he's crossing the valley is starting to go up their hill. Because 
That's what giant avoidance accomplishes. Instead of giant avoidance, it becomes giant invitation. It invites the giant even deeper and deeper into your life. It lets the giant take deeper root and it makes matters worse. Which brings up the first trait that sets David apart. Did you notice what David did? He didn't just drop off his supplies. He ran to the front lines, knowing that was the battle line, knowing that there would be conflict there, knowing that's where the giant was. While others ran away, David ran forward. While others tried to avoid the giant, David chose to face the giant. But that's not all. Let's keep reading. Verse 26, it says, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? I find that to be an interesting next step. See, David does a quick cost-benefit analysis. He lists out all of the positives and all of the negatives, and he sees which one wins. There's a giant. Not a pretty picture to face him. But then he says, what would life be like if the giant was gone? he wanted to know because if it would be better if Goliath was gone well then for David that settles what the next step has to be that can be a big lesson for us what is it what is it right now that's keeping you from reaching your full potential what is it right now that's keeping you from fulfilling God's dream for your life. See, we need to name your giant. Are you mired in debt, but you've never done what it's taken to get out of it? Have you given yourself over to pornography? Have you flat out given in to being lazy? Is there unresolved relational conflict in your life. Name your giant. Figure out what it is. How many times have you not done what you know that you need to do? You don't face your giant because you are afraid of what will be involved in that. You don't want to pay the cost. You don't want to face the conflict. You don't want to go through the turmoil. So instead, you just live with the giant. But you, because you can't see past the giant to see what life would be like without that giant in your life. But not David. 
You see, he saw the giant. And his first thought was, what would life be like without him? So let me ask you this. What would your life be like without your giant? But that's not all. There, there was a second thing we notice here that, that David does. It's a, a raw passion for God's reputation. Did you notice the language? All he saw in Goliath was someone who was mocking God. And that was unthinkable to David. Well, everyone turned and ran, seeing Goliath as only a giant on the battlefield. David saw a challenge to God himself. And when compared to God, Goliath was no giant. Goliath was nothing. So many times we look at the giants in our lives, but we fail to see them through the eyes of faith. We fail to look at our obstacles. We fail to look at our challenges, our fears, and our difficulties in light of the reality of a living God who's alive and well and is on our side. You're God's child. You're his masterpiece. And he is crazy about you. Which means that he hates that giant in your life even more than you do. But as long as you treat that giant in your life as being bigger than God, then God remains mocked and marginalized. So what is it that set David apart? He had a passionate resolve to face the giant. A passionate resolve to face whatever it was that stood in his way. And wh where did that come from? I mean, he was just a boy. That passion came from God himself. Knowing God's dream, knowing God's honor, knowing his values and his desires, that resolve came from knowing what life would be like without the giant. So all of this was swirling around in his heart and in his life. So what happens next? Saul, the king of Israel heard that David was talking about Goliath, and so he sends for David, thinking that maybe, just maybe, there was a warrior in his camp that could take on Goliath. So David shows up, and he makes the following announcement, which, if you think about it, is actually a little bit funny when you think it comes, when you realize this is just a boy, a kid, who's making this announcement. But read what it says in chapter, in verse 32. David says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. No, right now. You may be saying to yourself, well, yeah, sure. I know that's what David said. 
But you don't know about my giant. I mean, that's just a Bible story, after all. You don't know what I'm dealing with. See, that's kind of what the people thought when David made this pronouncement. In fact, let's look at Saul's reaction. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. And Saul was right, wasn't he? I mean, David was too little. He didn't have the resources. He wasn't even old enough to be in the army. Looking at it from a strictly logical, factual point of view, he had no chance. It was certain failure. Giant avoidance at that moment seemed to make sense. Now many of you are right there in that camp today. When you look at it that way, you're right. You're not a giant killer. It makes no sense. That giant in your life is bigger than you. David wasn't a giant killer either. So what made the difference? Something that went along with his passionate resolve. Let's continue reading beginning in verse 34. It says, But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, will rescue me from this Philistine. It's an amazing response. David was not thinking about Goliath. He wasn't thinking about the giant. He was thinking about his experience with God. He was remembering how faithful God had been to him. Time and time again, how powerful God had been, how trustworthy he had been, how God had always come through. It wasn't about how strong the giant was. It wasn't even about David's own ability. It was all about God. It reminds me of something I once heard John Ortberg talk about. He was saying that he was walking in Newport Beach in Southern California with two of his pastor friends. They walked past a bar where a fight had been going on inside, and that fight spilled out into the street right before them, and several guys were beating up this one guy. And they, know, they knew that they needed to do something, so they went over to try to break up the fight. Now, it was three pastors. They weren't very intimidating, but they said, hey, you guys, cut that out. And quite frankly, it didn't do much good. But all of a sudden, John said that they looked at them 
and fear was in their eyes. And they started, they stopped beating the guy up and they started to slink away. And John didn't have any idea what happened until they looked behind them. Out of the bar came the biggest man they had ever seen. Six feet seven, 300 pounds, like 2% body fat, just huge. And they called him Bubba. Well, not to his face, but that's what they called him. Now, Bubba didn't say a word. He just stood there and flexed. And that caused them to stop what they were doing. Now, seeing this, John's attitude was kind of transformed. He, he, he kind of got a little bit of more strength and courage in him. And he says, you better not let us catch you doing that again. You see, he was a different person. Because he had a great big Bubba standing behind him. He was ready to confront with resolve and firmness. He was released from any anxiety and fear. He was filled with boldness and confidence. Why? Because he had a great big Bubba standing behind him. He was convinced that he wasn't alone, that he was safe. John Orberg reflected on this. He said, if I were convinced that Bubba were with me 24 hours a day, I would have a fundamentally different approach to my life. If I knew Bubba was behind me all day long, you wouldn't want to mess with me. But he's not. I can't count on Bubba. Again and again, the writers of Scripture pose this question for us. How big is your God? Again and again, we're reminded that one who is greater than even Bubba has come. And you don't have to wonder whether or not he'll show up. He's always there. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live your life Hiding. You have a great big God. And he's called you to do something. He's called you to face something, to, to tackle something. So let's get on with it. What happens when we face the giant? David looked at the giant and thought of one thing. He thought that I've got Bubba's daddy with me. That was his reality, the only reality. On the one hand, he had all that God had done, all that God had accomplished, all that God was and is and forever will be, all that God had done for David and could do in the future. For David, he had already seen it against lions and bears. So what is it that you can think back on? Go back over your life. Reflect on the times that God has proved himself incredibly faithful, amazingly alive. Those times when he has ambushed you with his power. Think of those answers to prayer, those steps of faith, the breakthroughs, all because of God. 
Have you ever looked back on your life, even during the tough times, and you saw the hand of God working in your life? Why is it that when we face a new giant, it's like all that stuff never happened, and suddenly we're struck with amnesia? Let me tell you something. You can follow whatever it is you know God is calling you to do. Whatever it is he's calling you to be. You can confront whatever problem you have that's staring you in the face. You can move forward in your life no matter what it is that's blocking your way. With confidence with courage, with boldness, and with assurance because of the character and the power of God. It's not about you. It's not about the giant in your life. It is all about God. That's what sets David's life apart. I ran across something that Max Lucado once wrote. He said that if you go back and you count how many times David actually mentions Goliath against how many times he mentions God, it comes out nine times to two in favor of God. David mentions God four times more than he does the giant, which raises the obvious question. Do you reflect on grace? Four times more than you reflect on guilt? Do you, do you reflect on blessings four times more than the complaints? Do you reflect on hope four times more than the dread? Do you reflect on the strength of God four times more than the demands of your day? You see, that's the story. That's the key to David's success. He didn't go about doing giant avoidance, but giant confrontation. He knew what it would mean if that giant was gone. And he knew that it was worth it. He had courageous faith based on what God had already done in his life. And David knew that God could do it again. So let's get to the fun part of the story, the end of the story. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream. He put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of Heaven's army the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, 
and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and to cut off his head. So here's the question, Tav. Do you want the life God has in mind for you? The one that he dreams about for you? The one that you dream about for yourself when you're at your very best? If you do, you have to face your giant. And that takes passionate resolve. That means a deep sense of what life would be without the giant, without what keeping you back, whatever, whatever it is that's holding you down, whatever it is that has you cowering in fear, you have to see life without those things. You have to realize what's on the other side of the giant and how deeply God wants that for you and how he is able to show up and to have it happen. So what, what is it? What would your life be like without what it is, whatever it is that's facing you? Right now, what if it was God? Is it better than living with your giant? Are you willing to get mad about it? Angry at what it's doing to your life? Angry enough to resolve to the core of your very being that you won't take it another day. See, that's what it takes. And then remember, remember who it is that's going out to battle for you, going with you, going through you. It's God. That's courageous faith. What has God done for you? What, how has God proved himself to you? What is it that you know, believe, and trust about him? Is it enough? Is it enough to walk out to that giant and to take him out? Because that's what marked David's life. And not just once, but over and over again, the giants will keep coming 
And they'll have all kinds of different faces, different sizes. But remember, you don't have to be a giant killer. You just have to trust in who is a giant killer. Your Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you today. Thank you that you are that giant killer in our life. That we don't have to worry about fighting the giant. We just have to focus our attention on you. That you are mightier than any giant. Anything that we're facing, you're stronger than them all. And you want to win the battle for us. Help us to learn from David that we don't have to do it on our own. That it's through you and only through you that we can be successful. Thank you. Help us to have that courageous heart turn everything over to you and to let you fight the battles for us and through us. In Jesus' name.